0: Welcome. Come with me. Oh no! Oh my God! I shut my eye out. These go to eleven. Reading, Starfighter. I still a this baby. Forty going on. Fourteen.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Forty Going On Fourteen. I am
2: Mike.
3: I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and if watching classic murder mysteries has taught me anything, if you're on a conveyance and you look around and your fellow passengers appear to be mostly B-list actors with a smattering of A-listers, you take the next ship or bus (laughs) or train, because even if you aren't murdered, you are not getting where you were trying to go on time.
4: (laughs) You shoot every A-list actor, because one of them is the killer. Right? If
2: you have a red shirt on, you're in trouble. Yes, so yeah.
1: we're doing travel murdering today. This is...
2: <laughs> it's going to be our
3: second uh, Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot Yeah. Show.
1: Now, this night we're doing uh, Death on the Nile, putting it up against the... We've got the one that just came out, 2022, up against the original was 1978.
2: I, yep. Good old yeah. play rat.
1: <laughs> Mr. Pierrot, <laughs> Hercules Pierogi. But yes, welcome to the next Agatha Agatha Christie show I'm excited for this I was really happy to watch these
3: Me too We'll get into why When we talk about the uh, actual shows Yeah But
1: But yeah, so if you'd like to Get in touch and give us a call at 708 now wrap 708 You can also join the conversation on Discord by clicking the join link in the show notes and uh, also on our Facebook page. Contact yeah. us. We'll take it to the, to the Discord. And this week we've been talking about alcohol today, it seems like.
2: Yeah, a lot of beer yeah. convo.
3: Like, yeah, a lot of talk about alcohol in uh, uh, dry counties. Yeah.
2: And we also have a show idea chat, so if any of you out there have ideas for shows, that is the primo place to drop your thoughts.
1: Mm-hmm. And we need it. We
4: appreciate I posted it. posted a cover song. He did. Yes. I, I don't
2: page.
3: know that I recommend that what he dropped, but...
2: <laughs> it's there.
4: But yes, right. we talk all the time. Come join us.
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: So uh, we don't have any voicemails this week, which means it's uh, time for a question, Mike.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's question of the week. This week it is: What would you like to bring back from the past? No people.
3: That's your answer. No people.
1: No people. No, but nobody. <laughs> bring back everything else, but the people. Wow.
4: No, After camping, much thinking, there... I couldn't come up with anything. So uh, anything substantial. So. My answer is my body from high school. That's what I would like to bring back.
1: See, I want mean, you guess... your body from high school. I know what my body in high school looked like.
4: I know I uh, I looked much better in high school than I do currently, which is, you know, standard for people, but yeah. I was an athlete in high school. Not so much an athlete now. <laughs>
2: Uh, I mean, it, it was a tough question. We all had trouble trying to answer it, it. seemed like, and like you were saying, Patrick, the more stuff you think about, the more you realize that things already are here, already are back.
4: Yeah. It's not hard to get things that you miss. You know, most things are still in production in some way.
0: Or
2: yeah. right. Or back because nostalgia. So the, the I put down three things, two that are kind of dumb, just, things that i enjoyed that are kind of junk food type things. And then one that is kind of more of just for the whole experience of it. I, I, I first thing I put down was Saturday morning cartoons. I know you can see cartoons Mm. anytime now, but there's something about, you know, getting up at 8am or whatever on Saturdays and plunking yourself down with some cereal and watching cartoons.
3: That's a great answer. It's one I actually considered as mine.
1: I like that answer. I kind of miss, I miss hearing about the Saturday morning lineups because it was like, watch Scooby-Doo and the Lone Ranger and Tonto show followed by Pac-Man. You know, it's
0: always had your
1: lineup set up for each, 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 each
2: station.
3: And that preview was in prime time.
2: Mm -hmm. And then they had the little thing in TV guide where it had the picture of all the, you know, each station had their own Saturday morning, like must see TV kind of thing. Yeah, there was uh, always the ads in the comic books. Yep, that too.
3: Yeah, and you had to figure out your, okay, I, I watched this channel for an hour and a half, then this channel for two hours, then go back to this channel for a half hour.
2: Mm-hmm. And then it's fucking was golf.
3: Yeah, <laughs> or ends with Soul Train.
1: Oh, Which, it always that was it. It was, it was like the last show we always watched when I was growing up was the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour, and then Soul Train.
2: Great. ghost uh the other two things that were just kind of silly things is i i like monster energy drinks but my favorite chaos is no longer in production so fuck you monster uh, oh
3: i didn't oh. know that that's my favorite too
2: yeah they replaced it with chaotic which is okay but it is not the same and i can't find any replacement that is even remotely close across the board and starbucks fuck you for your orange flavored energy drink it tastes like assholes uh, the other thing that I'd like to bring back, which is going to sound stupid, but they're tasty, is McDonald's Mighty Wings. I haven't been to McDonald's in a long time, but Ooh. those things were actually kind of good. And the ranch is, was cheap and watery, and I'm really picky about my ranch. I make it myself. If for some reason, I like the ranch, too. It's weird. Cocaine. i
3: like. I would like to go next because I also have three things, which coincidentally are two junk food items, one for McDonald's and an experience.
2: Oh,
4: Oh, weird. Before we move on, what was that that tasted like assholes? I'm writing notes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's not coconut yeah. penis, Patrick.
1: I don't, I don't know about this Starbucks orange energy drink. This is not something
2: it's, I, it's fairly new. I saw it at Woodman's when we were, uh, we had, where where were Laura and I? We were somewhere, and and we stopped at a, a Woodman's um to get some stuff on the way home. Um, and they had a little Starbucks section for energy drinks, and one of them was a pineapple flavored one.
4: And so I like pineapple a drink. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Oh, okay.
2: And it was just, it was really just bad. It tasted more like like grapefruit without any sugar, but even not good grapefruit. I don't know. Oh. Huh. But anyway. Josh.
3: All right. So I'm going to go in reverse order. I'm going to start with my McDonald's. And I know in other countries you can get this. And I know that there are some limited places in the United States you can get this, but I can't get it near me anymore. So it's my pick. The old school fried apple pies.
1: Hmm. Like the hostess ones? No, from McDonald's. Oh, oh man. The one that you always scorched your mouth on. Yes, because you can get the baked
3: ones now and they are not the same. The fried ones dope. had like the the blistery crunchy
2: outside. Wow, I, I remember those. I haven't thought about those yeah. in a long time.
3: Yeah, that is a that is my McDonald's pick. Uh, well, my other oh, I, go ahead.
4: Just, why don't you go to a McDonald's and ask for one of the one of them frozen before they heat it up, and then you can like fry it at home maybe.
3: Because it's not the same at all. It, it, all right. It's like a completely lard, different.
4: Then it'll be the same. But the is <laughs> different. Chunk of lard. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You oh, can kind man. of get them at state fairs. Sometimes uh the Amish will make hand pies, which are very similar, but there's just something about that McDonald's apple.
2: Wait, did you say ham pie? Cuz I want a ham pie. Hand
3: pie. As in made by hand.
4: Oh.
2: I've, Maybe you could ask him to throw it in the fryer at McDonald's.
4: I've had hand pie before. <laughs> Oh God! Let's Ew.
1: let's, let's uh, not
2: let's not. Yeah, moving on. My
3: other junk food is the classic Jello pudding pop.
1: Oh my God! You took mine.
4: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: No, but it, I mean, you're totally right.
4: Or oh, the it's... WWF ice cream bars. That's what I would bring S- back.
1: See,
3: junk food is like a couple of years ago. I would have said Planters cheese balls, but those came back.
2: Now, when you say the Jell-O pudding pops, you're talking about the ones that are kind of like fudge flavored, like chocolate? Yes, they're fudge
3: flavored and they're one of the very few frozen desserts ever that turned freezer burn into a flavor enhancement, right? I I was just going
2: to say those tasted better when they were freezer burned, right? That's all I remember about them because I didn't get them very often, but I do remember that.
4: You always just stick them in the back of the freezer and try to forget about them for a while.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. the taste was pretty much straight
3: chocolate pudding, but once they got freezer burned, it was like an outside crunchy shell.
2: Which was weird. Could you put uh that that pudding? Could you put the jello pudding in the freezer and would it the have the same freeze? thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll try. I wonder.
3: And then one thing that you can't get back uh, Mm. is an experience, is the original, like the first six months to a year, Battletech Center experience. Oh. I'm talking back when all of the buttons did something.
1: Right. Wasn't just the the throttle and the steering.
3: Right. It wasn't just a joystick. Like eventually it was just a joystick and pedals. But like at the beginning, every one of the buttons on the console did something, and they sold a manual to tell you how to operate all of the buttons. You Why could did turn they stop... on.
2: Hmm. Why would they stop doing it? It's
3: way it, more because complicated it ins- than what people want. It was insanely complicated.
1: Yeah, and and people like Josh and I were probably the only ones that would have read the book. <laughs>
4: and yeah, you yeah. you could get a hardcore group of of core people that are going to be devoted to learning it and doing it right, but you're not going to make money that way. Right.
3: Right. But like that experience going to Navy Pier in Chicago, no, North Pier in Chicago. North Pier, yeah. Going to North Pier and uh, waiting your hour and a half uh, to have your spot and like
0: uh,
3: turning on all your weapons and uh, getting into like a two on two battle or a three on three battle. There's just nothing like it.
4: And just having to know, like, when you start overheating, what buttons you need to press and shit like that, you know?
3: Yeah. It's I like, remember, okay, I'm too close. I got to turn off my long range missiles because it'll drop my heat a little bit. And then you get the replay of the battle and you're just watching. I, I just remember when we went and Joel was in the little Black Hawk. And there's this <laughs> epic battle between Pat's Loki and my Mad Cat. And Joel's Blackhawk is limping in the background <laughs> across a the back crusher. of the screen.
2: That was Skull Crusher.
3: Skull Crusher.
2: Yeah. Not an apropos name, I know, but that was, that was the name. I remember that. That was a but fun But like day. in the
3: first 30 seconds, one of your legs got damaged. And anytime anyone else is in a, a big a, a big conflict, you could just see Joel limping around in the background. <laughs> with
1: exactly. With a chicken walker. Yep. Uh, for me, well, you said the Pudding Pops. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about that I haven't had that I missed for my lunches is, do you remember peanut butter boppers? Is that a sexual thing? No, no. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I exactly. suppose everything could B- be if you. Not PB Max. It was peanut butter boppers. Yeah,
4: I don't remember that one. What it is was, that? I don't it know. It was like
1: that. a peanut butter with chocolate and Rice Krispie uh, on the outside. Hmm. I'm looking them up right now. Yeah, those were tasty peanut butter bar huh. yeah
3: looks like they were kind of displaced by the granola bar and then later the fruit snack craze
1: hmm huh. you know, those were really good so like because they were like crispy on the outside with all the crispy rice and then you yeah, had the chocolate and the peanut butter was all kind of gooey on the inside those were really tasty oh they were made by not.
3: nature valley
1: yeah so they probably oh. somebody started screaming and yelling I thought I thought you were health food you know and then nature valley was like I don't know
4: if you think well, if you think granola bars are health food, you've not been paying attention.
1: Right, and <clears throat> this is going to sound very old Gen Xy of me, but I, I actually had on um, YouTube music on not too long ago, and I just they have like stations for videos where you can just put on a video, choose the 80s, choose metal, choose 90s, grunge, whatever, and put it on, and it'll play. And I had it running in the background while I was making dinner one night. And it was on like this randomized thing. And I realized how much I actually missed MTV when they played nothing but videos. You know, turn it on, let it run. You you always had some good stuff that you liked, some stuff that you were familiar with and you knew. And then about three, four times an hour, there was a new song that popped up that you never had heard before. Mm-hmm. And, in, you, and there wasn't any like genre. It was all room, over the
4: place. If you were in the other room and you missed who it was and what the song was, <clears throat> you had to stand there and watch the whole thing and wait for the last five, 10 seconds of the video. Like, right. Oh, that's who it was. Okay. I never yeah. heard
1: of them. Or, or when there would be an announcement. Because one of the things I remember was like, there was an announcement. Or a new Van Halen video is coming out today at three o'clock. Oh, cool. And I remember this vividly because it was like my grandmother was over. It's like, Grandma. Can I turn on this station? I just want to see this one song. It's supposed to go on at three o'clock, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. Turn it on. It's not that awful sleep. album I bought you, is it? No, this is the other grandma. This is the grandma oh. that, yeah. Sorry. I'm like, oh, no problem. Put it on. And I was like, ah, oh, it's this band I love. You know, I want to, to see his new Van Halen video. It was hot for teacher.
0: Nice. <laughs> I'm like sitting here
1: going, yeah, I'm just going to ride this out. You know, <laughs> I guess, the, you know, at the end of it, she's like, well, I guess, you know, he's not gay. Um, but it was kind of uh, awkward. Uh, that and um,
2: potato skins.
0: Mm,
1: oh, oh yeah.
2: those still exist. I've seen those in vending machines, like the old Keebler ones. It, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. I've seen. Yeah, I've too. seen them oh. still. I, yeah, I actually, those. I
4: had some on a road trip. I saw them in a in, in a store somewhere. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. out there, but yeah. And I bought um, them specifically because I was like, oh, I remember these, and yeah. You know.
2: I also posted something in our in our show chat, Mike that you may want to talk to uh Sophie about It's a recipe for nature valley peanut butter boppers
0: <gasps> that nice. uh and oh. some of those
2: like copycat recipes are pretty close and she's oh. good at bacon so
1: I've got that um that copycat recipe book the one that one that has everything from like big mac sauce to you know everything in it it's about two inches thick.
4: Yeah, she's, yeah, she needs to make actual, those, because I do remember those.
1: And mail them to you.
4: Yeah. The uh,
3: McDonald's recipes, like someone published all of the official uh, McDonald's recipes a couple of years ago. Really? Ooh. Yeah, like someone who uh, was involved in the kitchens. Uh, every couple of years, I encounter it on Reddit and end up downloading the document and then realizing, oh, I already have this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Do they have the McDLT re- um, packaging recipe?
3: They don't have the packaging, keep no. The, but I'm pretty sure the uh, McDLT is in the cookbook. Keep the
4: hot side hot, the cold
2: side cold. Right. I have such a trouble with that, Patrick. I need right. a way it's, to it's do it. A, so.
4: By the time I get to my table, 12 seconds after I've gotten my order, uh, everything's all just hot and cold and lukewarm. And
2: I just mean at home. Like right. I make my burgers and then I get you know to sit down to eat it. And it's just not. It's such a you know, it's
4: such a ridiculous non-problem. Yeah, Your it's hot, hot is side
2: hot. is cold, your cold side is hot, it's all a <laughs> mess.
4: Stop putting lettuce on the grill, Joel.
2: Isn't that how you're supposed to do it? When you're hot, Maybe. you're hot. Maybe
4: We haven't even gotten into the show yet. Right? I think that means it's about that
2: time. It is yeah.
1: totally about that time. Subtle. This week in music, movies, and TV.
2: And sports.
1: Alright, so this week we're going with September 29th, 1978, the release of the original Death on the Nile.
2: Alright. So, uh music. The number one song in the land was Kiss You All Over by Exile. I love this song. I
0: want to kiss you all over.
2: Is that how it oh, goes,
1: Patrick?
3: I didn't yeah. think I knew that, but
0: you
1: know. over again. Oh,
3: won't to the
0: you
1: close in. In. I the remember when I was at uh, Trader Joe's, I had one manager that would always skip, oh, this song is not proper for a family family grocery store. He <laughs> but he well not he know he wouldn't skip this. Oh, what like, did he skip then? Oh, he's he uh, Hot for Oh, me so horny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was just like random shit like it like uh,
4: um my back
1: I think one time he skipped, I love rock and roll came on and he, Oh, that's not proper for a family. I'm like, but you let, I want to kiss you all over play 45 minutes ago. Well, you don't know that. I'm like, I do know that. Cause I was standing in the aisle singing it. Like, where's your, where's your gauge. I need a gauge on this.
2: Right. Moving on. Uh, Bradley Kirk Arnold born September 27th is best known as the lead singer and drummer and only remaining original member of the rock band three doors down. What happened to the other members? I need closure on this anecdote.
1: Yeah, uh, I, need, they, I need info on this too. They're behind other doors.
0: Door. <laughs> oh, they're,
2: they're four they're doors, three down. doors down. Yeah,
4: yeah. I got they're it. Off, they're off doing some MLM management stuff. Ew. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just Like <laughs> one day.
4: <I> was like,
1: <laughs> yes, can I help you? Yes, yeah, so I was wondering if you were lynched it in becoming your own boss.
4: Don't I you know look, you? You look familiar. Oh, I was in Three Doors Down.
2: And you kick him in the nuts. Good thing you stepped up.
4: Smart decision, sir. I'll buy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. And finally, on September 28th, Black Sabbath released their eighth album, Never Say Die. It was the last studio album with the band's original lineup and the last studio album to feature Ozzy Osbourne until the 2013 album. 13. It was certified gold and has sold 133 thousand copies in the United States.
3: I suspect because I, I actually follow uh, Black Sabbath on uh, social media that this trivia won't be true soon because I could have sworn that like unless one of them died that they were talking about getting the band back together.
2: Oh oh huh. getting the band back together.
3: Now, it could have yeah, been they were talking there's... about that before COVID, and then one of them has since died. But, but yeah,
4: they, they've been talking about reuniting for a while. Because it feels it so it good. it happened.
2: They're going to cover Kiss You All Over.
3: <laughs> all right. Uh, on that note, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was The Legendary Animal House, starring John Belusi. John Belusi? John Belushi, <laughs> Tim Matheson, Bruce McGill, Karen Allen, among many others. I mean, so yeah, what can we like like say to, about this film?
1: <laughs> we go back and watch our Animal House show. Or listen to it.
3: I forgot we'd already covered that.
4: The movie's just so fucking good. That's... Right?
3: Donald right. Sutherland. <laughs> Born Edgar John Berggren. Edgar John Bergen was an American vaudevillian and radio performer, comedian, comic strip creator, and television and film actor. He was best known for his proficiency in ventriloquism.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Josh is not, however, known for his proficiency in ventriloquism.
3: Apparently not. He was best known for his proficiency in ventriloquism. Ah. and his characters Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd, as well as for being the father of actress Candace Bergen. Bergen and his alter ego Charlie McCarthy were given top billing in several films, including the Technicolor Extravaganza, The Goldwyn Follies, You Can't Cheat an Honest Man with W.C. Fields, Letter of Introduction, I Remember Mama, Captain China, Don't Make Waves, Look Who's Laughing, Here We Go Again, Stage Door Canteen, Walt Disney's Fun and Fancy Free, Wanton Ton, Tan, The Dog Who Saved Hollywood, and The Muppet Movie, which was his final credit.
1: Wanton Ton Tan is not The Dog Who Saved Hollywood, though.
3: No, there were a bunch of those. Where it was not clear where I was stopping movie titles because there were the so many movie. of them.
4: <laughs> that was a gauntlet, oh. though. Well done.
3: In mid-September 1978, Bergen announced that he was retiring after more than 50 years in showbiz and sending Charlie McCarthy to the National Museum of American History at the Smithsonian. He opened at Caesars Palace Hotel Las Vegas on September 27th for a two-week farewell-to-show business engagement. Three days later, on September 30th, he died in his
2: sleep. Well, old Charlie probably suffocated him.
4: (laughs) Charlie comes <laughs> back, <laughs> you motherfucker, you gave me away to a museum! <laughs> Put asleep.
2: me in a box, will you? <laughs> and then he ran off with Annabelle. Uh, Creepy. By the way, the four original members of Black Sabbath are all alive. Tony Iommi, Bill Ward, Geezer Butler, and Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, there was one member who died in 2017. Um, Jeff I lost Cold his name.
4: Blood. Jeff Nichols. So they, so they could never have the original lineup again then.
2: Well, he wasn't an original member. Oh. He was their keyboardist. Their original members are also alive.
4: Oh, okay. huh So
3: my yeah. vague memory from Facebook might actually be accurate that the they may yet all get back together.
2: It sounds. I mean, if if they're into it, you know, they're all four out there still, so live and kicking.
4: But um, all right. Real quick to get back so. to the, the bullet point you just read. Edgar Bergen yes. is the answer to uh, one of the master level trivia questions I've written for IGS. Ooh. It's the the only he's the only person that in Oscar history there's there's a special one special Oscar that is the only Oscar that has two names on the plate instead of one, and it's the only Oscar that's made of wood. And it was the honorary lifetime Oscar that was given to Edgar Bergen.
3: Nice. Oh, that's very that's, cool. It's good trivia. All right, on huh. October third, Shannon Marie Kahololani known as Shannon Sassamon, was born. She was an American actress. Oh, she is an American actress, director, and musician. She has appeared in the films A Knight's Tale, 40 Days and 40 Nights, The Rules of Attraction, and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, among others. She provided vocals and drums to the band Warpaint from 2004 to 2008. She abruptly left the group after recording their first EP, Exquisite Corpse. In 2009, she began directing and producing shorts and music videos through her small production company, the Monogon Theater.
2: I wonder what happened to Shannon Sussman. I like her. She's pretty. Sussman, that's how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shannon Sussman. Sussman. You know who she is. If you...
4: Yeah, she had a little bit of a mini run in the late 90s.
2: You Probably, if you saw any Josh Hartnett films, you probably saw Shannon Yeah, Sussman. for sure. She was in Night's
3: yeah, I was going to say, I've seen a, all of the ones that I just She mentioned. was the
4: blacksmith in Knight's Tale. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. She's very cute, kind of perky, kind of, yeah. But not She's a great fun.
4: actress. Not, not yeah, not
2: spectacular. Not, not horrible, just there.
4: not great. You know, not, not anything, you know.
1: Knight, Knight's Tale was one of those movies that had no right being as entertaining as it turned out to be. Right. Way better than it should have been. Right. I was like, remember the first time I saw it, and they started stomping. We will rock you in the stands at a, at the at the um, jousting, the jousting, and I was just like, what is this? I'm intrigued, yeah. but yet yeah, kind of repulsed at
2: the same time. Right? You're like, oh god, this is going to be a fucking train wreck. And by the end of the movie, you're like, can I watch that again?
1: Right. Yeah. I bought it. It was
2: exactly yeah,
3: now. It's if it comes on cable, I sit through it mm-hmm. the whole time.
1: And it's fun because it's like. You've got the Joker. You've got Vision. You've
4: got <laughs> you get Robert so, uh, Robert Baratheon.
1: Yeah, you got a lot of people that show up for cool stuff later on. Uh, all right, so TV, the top shows in the land were Laverne and Shirley, Three's Company, Happy Days, and Mork and Mindy. And that outside lineup. of Three's Company, those are all in the same world. Yep, that's crazy. The top, the top shows all have all come from the same, all spawned all from Happy Days. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want them to do Three's Company, but I like redo it. But uh, on the other side, I really don't.
2: Yeah, we we talked about how that would maybe be possible uh, a few months ago.
1: Yeah, but still, yeah. they would never be able. I mean, John Ritter.
3: Well, all right. Happy Days was recently in the news, actually. Uh, just the last couple of days because apparently the funds didn't have a whole lot of leather jackets. Like there are only a limited number of them, like five or six and they know where they all are. I, I didn't like listen to the podcast, but Henry Winkler uh, was just talking about the other day.
1: That's huh. very cool. Interesting. That is a piece of memorabilia uh, that I would love to have. Right. One of the Henry Winkler Fons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah, he's he's the new he 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 decided he's the new that, Betty White. Yeah, the new Betty White Henry Winkler. No. He's our new grandpa.
1: I don't know if I want that. I don't want everybody worrying. Well no, I mean I, I do, but I don't want to be worrying about whether or not Henry Henry Winkler's dead or not.
4: Oh, oh. But follow his Twitter. He's really funny.
1: He is, I oh, agree with God. Patrick. All right. So Lovers and Friends was an American soap opera that aired from January third to May sixth, nineteen seventy seven. When the show didn't catch on immediately, NBC put the show on hiatus for seven months and then brought it back as a retooled show named the acronym of the week, which is FRFP.
3: Oh, well, I know this one. That uh, I'm pretty sure that stands for Fart Rancid Fart Proud. <laughs> the they
0: went a very strong. different
1: direction with it. <laughs> Strangely enough, it caught on after that no no, the, no what is that no, Josh,
4: that was <laughs> that was not it. It was for richer for poorer. Oh,
1: no. he was close. Kind of yeah but no, I'd watch both of them really you know
4: He was not but, close.
1: <laughs> you would you define close and I define close maybe different. So the second version aired from December 6, 1977 to September 29th of this week. so really didn't kind of catch on after they changed it either. Man, also,
4: Catherine went from 77 all the way to 78.
1: Oh,
2: a whole year. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah. One of those, like, all my children's been going for 45 years.
2: I mean, it's not cop rock, but.
1: What is cop rock, really?
2: Well, it was a show about cops that sang and they danced. It was Stephen J. Cannell. Yeah, it was last, like, season, I think.
1: I wish I had a sign that I could hold up for you. It just said joke on it. Anyway, Kathleen, Catherine,
4: That's a, so, hold up a sign that has like a picture of a screw and a ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Catherine Azelton born October 1st as an American actress, film director, and producer. She starred as Jenny in the FX sitcom, the league for its seven season run. And the first two seasons of FX Marvel comics, X-Men drama Legion.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, I like Catherine Azelton. Was
1: yeah. She the she was the blonde in that, wasn't she? The one who you couldn't touch on anybody? Ah,
2: I've I'd never seen Legion.
4: Did. Is she tall and thin?
2: I just know the League.
4: And cute.
2: She, and she was on an episode of The Office.
4: Yes, blood donor.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: But she's uh, cute. She is yeah. cute. she she got a sparky personality.
2: She does have a sparky personality, and she leaves gloves when she donates blood.
4: <laughs> moving on to sports 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 the 1978 american league east tiebreaker game was a one-game extension to major league baseball's regular season it was played at fenway park in boston on october 2nd between the new york yankees and boston red sox to determine the winner of the american league's east division sports,
2: sports.
4: nobody i thought somebody was at least going to ask who won who, hey, won, Patrick. Pat? Who won? Who won? Yankees won five to four. Yay. The Yankees. The, wonder if he plays for the Yankees. Candace Michelle Bachman. Beckman. Beckman, sorry. Candace Michelle Beckman, born September thirtieth, is known as Candace Michelle. An American model and actress, she is best known for her time with the WWE. She was hired by WWE in 2004 after she participated in the WWE Diva Search. Outside of wrestling, she is known as the GoDaddy Girl, performing in the company's annual Super Bowl commercials. Oh. Yep. Nice. She is a wrestler as well, in case you didn't know that.
1: Did not know that.
4: Wrestler. And she's been in Playboy if you're interested in that kind of thing. I am. <laughs> Wrestling. That's about it for Twee. Play us off, keyboard, Joel.
2: Na-na-na-na-na-na.
4: <sniffs> Rasslin'.
2: <laughs> Alright, so, 1978,
1: following the murder on the Orient Express, they made another Hercule Poirot movie, Death on the Nile. Uh, as we'd spoken of before, he's been portrayed on radio and film and ter- television by various actors, including this list of Austin Trevor, John Moffat, Albert Finney, Peter Ustinov, Ian Holm, Tony Randall, Alfred Molina, Orson Welles, David Suchet, Kenneth Bradnaugh, and John Malkovich.
2: And who is the best, Mike?
1: I really like Peter Ustinov, but if you watch John Malkovich in The Alphabet Murders, he's really good. Uh, see, for me, it's David Suchet. I, I am not a fan of Ustinov. I was no. going to
2: say, isn't David Suchet, though, the one that most people think of? Because he was on the series, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't there like a PBS thing or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh,
3: Not PBS. I, I think it was uh,
2: a... BBC? BBC, BBC. Yeah. yeah. I I like the Peter
1: Ustinov just because I'm a big Peter Ustinov
2: fan.
3: Oh, I like Peter Ustinov. I just don't think he's a particularly good Poirot.
2: Oh. See, I liked Finney's in the last show we did, but I, I didn't hey. have as much experience. If you get a chance to
1: ever to watch the Alphabet Murders, the John Malkovich one, it's good stuff. I think Josh, I think you would like it because Malkovich.
3: I mean, I like anime. Malkovich, but the, that is a, yeah. a, a is, a, is a hard sell for me. A skinny Hercule Poirot is is a hard sell for me.
1: You give it give it one one episode, but uh, I think it's on. Plus, he's got um, like
2: a goatee instead of the funky mustache.
1: Yeah. Wait,
3: he doesn't have a mustache.
1: Well, it's he's got a like re- a a goat going on.
2: Yeah, with him with a mustache.
3: Okay. I am getting less interested in Malkovich's Poirot as as no. I hear more about it.
2: But yeah. fucking, I agree with Mike as far as Malkovich goes. I mean, he's amazing. The
4: ABC murders.
1: ABC murders. Yeah, not alphabet. ABC murders.
2: Yeah. Easy as one, two, I'm three.
4: Just looking it up.
1: Yeah. But um, although it was a British film, Death on the Nile premiered in New York in 78 to coincide with the sale of tickets to the Metropolitan Museum of Art's opening of the Treasures of Tutankhamun, which had piqued interest in Egyptian artifacts. I remember this coming to Chicago. The Tutankhamun stuff? Pat, you weren't in Chicago, and I don't think you guys were, uh, were old enough to but i went to go see it i saw tutankhamun's tomb and all that fun stuff when it was out at the the field museum
2: i cool. feel like i remembered that i don't know why i was i was like well, i would have been 4 when that happened mm-hmm. but i vaguely remember that like cuz it, tra- it was traveling right Is what it took. yeah and yeah went all that around coming to the, the the museum here it locally. must have
3: come back Kansas because city. there is no way yeah it came back in 2006
2: It did. I was going to say, because
3: I remembered seeing it, but I was two, so there's no way I remember that.
2: (laughs) I don't know. You remember a lot. You just couldn't tell us. Right. Uh, Although it had had piqued interest
1: in Egyptian artifacts, uh, Richard Amsel was commissioned to change the original poster for the movie by including a profile of King Tutankhamen with the uh, knife and the pistol in there all surrounded by the cast. Death in the Nile won Academy Award for Best Costume Design at the 51st Academy Awards. And then the third Poirot film, Evil Under the Sun, was supposed to release in 79, but didn't get released in 82. There were also several TV movies and a un- the- theatrical adaptation of Appointment with Death, and that was Ustinov's final portrayal of The Detective. So uh, this one. Jacqueline Jackie de Belfort asks her close friend, wealthy heiress Lynette Ridgeway, to hire her unemployed fiancé, Simon Doyle. Jackie's pleased when Lynette agrees, but Lynette and Simon Sue start a whirlwind affair and merry. While honeymooning in Egypt, they're continually hounded by the jilted Jackie. In an attempt to get away, the Doyles pretend to go to the Aswan Railway Station before backtracking to board the Nile paddle steamer, the SS Karnak. And that is when things occur. Uh, this is directed by John Gehrman. Gehrman?
4: Gier- Gehrman? Gier- Gehrman? No, I think, I think it's
2: like... like German. yeah, yeah I, I think he's right.
1: Gehrman, like like Guillermo like, de Toro? Like Guillermo, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also did stuff like The Towering Inferno, King Kong, 1976, and uh, something in 1950 called um, Paper Gallows.
2: Hmm, interesting yeah. title.
1: Yeah, he also did the uh, 1984 Sheena That was, remember that going on Cinemax.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that stirred some things (laughs) up in me. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, oh, you haven't seen Sheena? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, Joel.
2: Mm. Gotta get Tanya Roberts. Oh. Yeah. Like that 70s show. Well, she did a lot of those kind of like, kind of stuff back in the day. She was like, hey,
1: baby. Yeah, there was definitely some of that going on in this one. Uh, So the writing, screenplay written by Anthony Schaefer. Who also did the movie Sleuth with uh, Laurence Olivier and Michael Caine did the writing for Hitchcock's Frenzy and the 1973 Wicker Man.
2: So that's fun. Wicker Man still disturbs me. It's such a good movie, but it's disturbing. It is. It is an upsetting movie. Yes.
3: Yeah. I don't know that I'd agree that it's good, but.
2: Oh, well, the music alone is, is pretty pretty great, uh, but I, I dig it. Well, yeah, so we have Peter
1: Ustinov as Hercule Poirot, the mustachioed uh, detective, Jane Birkin as Louise Bourget, Lois Childs as Lynette Ridgway Doyle, Betty Davis as Marie Van Schuyler, Mia Farrow as Jacqueline de Belleforte, John Finch as James Ferguson. Olivia Hussey as Rosalie Otterborn. George Kennedy as Andrew Pennington. This is most being all the George Kennedy in this movie. The George Kennedy. Angela Lansbury as Salome Otterborn. Simon McCorkendale, besides having a great name, played Simon Doyle. David Niven as Colonel Race. Maggie Smith as Miss Bowers. Jack Warden as Dr. Bessner. And I S Johar as Mr. Chaudhry. Did anybody uh, recognize uh, Mr. Corkendale? I think that's who it is.
4: Who is Simon Doyle? Yeah.
1: What yeah, do you he's mean been recognize
4: to a him?
1: Shows, yeah. A couple TV shows. Yeah, a couple TV shows. Said the whole time Suzanne was trying to figure out why do I know him? Why do I know him? And about a quarter of the way into the movie, she goes, "I got it." That's Manimal. minimal. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh
4: Yep. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I never watched *A an Manimal*, so I didn't recognize him from that.
2: Ah, uh, we've oh. talked about this. You missed out.
1: I I had no idea that Suzanne was such a an *Manimal* fan. She was I able to she, take
2: him out like that. She she has all the uh, the the uh, fan novels like that they released, didn't she?
1: <laughs> she she might. Far as I know, she liked the I don't want to say the weird shows, but like she was a big fan of like um Scarecrow and Mrs. King.
4: Ten Speed and Brown Shoe.
1: Of course. Uh so some trivia on this one. During World War Two, Major David Niven's batsman, his personal attendant, was Private Peter Eustinoff. That's good trivia. Oh,
2: That's good that? trivia. Yeah.
1: So, it kind of explains why they had such a good chemistry between the two of them in this one.
2: Well, here, Mike, just a fun little side note before, because I forgot about this. I was going to bring it up when you mentioned uh, your wife picking out um, uh, Manimal. Yeah, my wife is like, "Hey, that's David Niven." Oh. Odd. Okay. <laughs> out of everybody that's in the cast, that's the one that you, you know. You didn't pick go out with McGonagle. You know, that's... <laughs> but hey, you know, hey, David Niven's cool. So I'm, I was good with that. David Niven is cool. He's, yeah. He's
1: said, British cool. Uh, filming had to be stopped every day at noon for around two hours because temperatures reach around 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, makeup calls were scheduled for 4 a.m. Filming started at 6. And Betty Davis once quipped In the older days, they would build the Nile for you. Nowadays, films have to become travelogues and actors stuntmen.
0: That's
4: She's the not most. Wrong Betty... Even to this day. <laughs> right. Yeah.
3: But that's the most Betty Davis thing she possibly could have said.
2: <laughs> yep. For a minute. I thought when you said Betty Davis, they were going to say she melted.
0: <laughs> you,
1: you was halfway there. Uh, this is the only working collaboration of Peter Ustinov and Angela Lansbury, despite the two of them having been in-laws. Ustinov being married to Lansbury's half-sister, stage actress Isolde Denim from 1940 to 1950, and longtime friends. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I would never cool. have known that. No. There's some decent trivia in this one. Yeah, Uh, it was pretty good trivia all the way around. Colonel Johnny Race boards the SS Karnak wearing a straw boater hat with a Royal Green Jackets hat band. Later in the movie, he wears a Royal Green Jackets necktie. The Royal Green Jackets, formed in 1966, were descendants of David Niven's wartime regiment, the Rifle Brigade. I have to look more into David Niven. I'm I'm laying a best bet that there's some wartime stories about that dude that are out there that are pretty cool. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> or not? All right. Yes. So first viewing for any of us? Yes. yes. Really? We just Come said on. yes. I, I yes. I've seen this multiple times. I didn't. I was not expecting that.
3: Well, like, I'm a big fan of the book. Like, I've gone into uh, detail in previous shows about what a big Agatha Christie fan I am. Uh, Aside from Swords and Sorcery, Murder Mysteries are like my second jam. And uh, this was the third uh, Agatha Christie book I ever read after, and then there were none, and uh, Murder on the Orient Express. And it is in my top five. Very cool. But I'd never seen it on screen before seeing
2: these two films, huh? See, I thought out of anybody, I knew Mike had seen it, but I thought you would be the one that would have seen it by now. Just knowing your, you know, that you love Agatha Christie. So I'm yeah, also I'm pretty surprised.
3: picky when it comes to my Hercule Poirot's. like David Suchet or Bust.
2: Hmm.
1: So, what did you guys think
2: for the first viewing? Well, this is totally aside of of the actual like thoughts on the film, but I noticed that the butler's name was Barnstable, and all I could think about was that he was a police officer that only was you know worked in the barn. But uh, yeah, it was all right. I, I I feel like the Murder on the Orient Express. If I was to compare the two as far as period you know films from the seventies and eighties of of Agatha Christie, I think I preferred it to that. But it, it was it was interesting, okay. I, mean, I uh, yeah,
3: I was shocked by how good the cast was for this for the time. like, and that's a thing with classic murders is like the casts are always great. Um, and Angela Lansbury was a delight. Like whenever she was on screen, I was just happy to watch her do whatever she was doing. Just me then, okay.
4: yeah i find that funny because i did not enjoy her performance at all really yeah i thought she was hamming it up way too much
3: see as someone who's supposed to be playing a perpetually drunk romance novelist i think hamming it up is the way to play it
2: yeah i agree with that
4: yeah maybe it's just her character i didn't like
2: Hmm. Uh, one of the things that, that I found kind of a strange choice that, that, that when they were kind of recanting the different possibilities, as far as suspects, hmm. they kept getting up to the point where the gun would go off uh, where, you know, uh, you know, the, the, whoever it was that was committing the murder was f- shooting her. And so it almost became a running joke. Cause every, every time they go to the scene, it'd be like, and then they such and such and blah, blah. Poof, and so when they were in the, the bathroom with the snake that uh, was planted to try and kill him, I, I turned to Laura and I'm like, and then the snake went and shot him, you know, <laughs> because everybody was getting shot at that point. But yeah, sorry. Just a side note.
1: I like the snake in the bathroom thing. I wish they had been done a little bit better with the giant pane of glass that they had between him and the right.
2: <laughs> but David like- Niven is a good, good uh, swordsman there. got him. Oh, yeah.
1: knifed that thing. Pretty good. What I think I I found most interesting in the beginning and kind of i say like concerning but Pirot shows up literally anywhere he needs to be. There's something going on at the Sphinx? He's just going to be sitting there at the Sphinx. You know, if there's something going on here at the ballroom, he's going to be in the ballroom. I know we're f- kind of following him around, but you know, he he's got the plot on his back and he just brings Nothing it with important him wherever it
4: goes. happens out of his earshot.
1: Right. Yeah. And there was something, Josh, you're an Agatha Christie fan. So I have a question. Yes. The comment uh, that uh, David Niven made about the decapitated clergyman. Is that another story that has the two of them together? Or is that a short story? Or is that anything you know of?
3: You know, it probably was, but there are so many uh, Agatha Christie stories and even so many with Poirot. Poirot. But it's not one that I've read.
2: Okay. She like the Zane Gray of murder mystery writers or something. She wrote a lot.
3: She wrote a lot, and Poirot was her most famous. Like Miss Marple was another one of her big detectives, but Poirot is by and large her most popular.
2: Huh. Yeah. It says Agatha Christie's bibliography. Uh sixteen plays, three poems, twenty eight collections, and seventy-four novels. Yeah. She That's was... like Stephen King like level. Wow. I didn't realize she was that prolific.
4: And rumor has it by the time she got to this movie or this book, I'm sorry, she was tired of the Perot character, which is why she kinda wrote him kinda prickly in this particular one, even more than normal and describing mm. him. And having that one character describe him as, what was the phrase that she used when she was describing him as rude, you know, rude and, uh... you know, what I'm talking about after he, he talks about everything he eavesdropped on, she describes him as a
3: uh, rude Frenchman, word. and he says uh, rude Belgian.
4: Yeah, yeah, so... yeah. But yeah, she he, was. He... Rumor has it she was tired of writing him by this, by this novel.
2: So why would she continue to write the character then? Just because like the publisher was insisting it, or because money? Yeah. <laughs> publisher know. and
4: fans. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, eventually she like there's the famous book which was uh, turned into a David Suchet uh, movie uh, curtain, which is Paro's last case, hmm. and that's also in my top five of all the stories. Curtain is great.
1: What I thought was funny. Was when Mia Farrow would show up and start not being not a tour guide. In the very beginning, like there, wherever they show, wherever they would be, she would show up and start telling them about the place. Like on one side, it's annoying. On the other side, she obviously is psycho enough that she did enough research on this. That she's going to like try to distract us by tour giving us all this information about the, wherever we are.
4: It's a perfect creepy thing to do, though.
1: It is. Right? It really is.
2: And I love her. Right. I was happy to see her in this. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah, the,
1: the cast, the whole cast was amazing. I mean, for the for the time that this came out, this was a five-star cast uh, and a good blend of newer actresses and actors like Mia Farrow and then having the classics like Betty Davis in there also. Maggie Smith looking as sharp as a razor blade, too.
2: Right? I mean, she yeah. still looked like Maggie Smith, but... Yep. And then the doctor who
1: apparently prescribes getting injected with armadillo armadillo urine. <laughs> as you do. As you do. As you do. Right. But no, you Joel, you were talking about when um when uh Angela Lansbury gets shot. I had forgotten about that. <laughs> I jumped. <laughs> and I thought one of the things that I noticed about it was she gets shot between the eyes as she's just about to tell who did it. Drops the floor with a bullet head right in her forehead, and the doctor reaches down and checks her pulse.
4: <laughs> Maybe well, she survived,
1: know. right?
3: Uh, he's She's not survived. a great doctor. I think that was established. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get the
2: urine. Yes. Does anybody have an armadillo? Quickly,
4: Who oh, needs <laughs> <are> armadillo <laughs> urine instead.
2: And jams it into her heart.
1: No, I I enjoyed <sighs> all the characters. George Kennedy. I think he was you know the great big blustery lawyer uh david niven as as race and you know even dr besner jack warden is they were all great characters i think they were all and what i liked about it is they trickled everybody in little by little you know there wasn't you didn't get the whole cast showing up was, at the house at the it same was much time Much
4: less expository than the remake for sure
1: i know i have words about that <laughs> it's now for for the question for the you guys who didn't see it did you know who did it
3: I had forgotten
1: Okay did you guys I, have theories before the movie ended
2: I watched I, it in reverse order
4: You started at the end and-
2: How do you do that on a DVD dude <laughs> I said reverse <laughs> order not I didn't watch the film backwards
1: I never could tell with you
2: I, really? I, I yeah, I started with the the remake first, and then watched this one. So I already knew who did it at that point. But
1: okay, did you have theories even any other way?
2: I well, feel yeah, like we did. Yeah, you know
4: how I like to. I've, I've always said I like to like kind of try to turn my brain off and go for the ride whenever I'm watching a mystery. Yeah, I figured this this one out kind of fast and early.
2: Curious. And...
4: And I was all like, the whole time I'm like, I don't want to be right, but I think I am. And I was, and it was very disappointing. I was like, no. Huh. no. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Now, Sophie was watching it with us for the first quarter of the movie, and she wandered off to go do something else. But when she, they introduced, um, when Mia Farrow introduced her fiance to him, to uh, her friend, Sophie stands up, she goes, yeah, it's the two of them. They're gonna kill her for the money. They're going to... cause I 'cause I'm that a common exactly
4: That was almost exactly how I went about it too. I was I was like, Well they're obviously not really in love. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: When they started making goo goo eyes at each other and, yeah, and you know, was, Simon would, started yeah, being like, Oh, like, they're gonna yeah. get on the side and the killer's gonna be the jilted fiance and, and so I was like, No, it's a two of them, they're planning it together to get the money. I'm like, All right. And I then mean, I'm gonna you admit
4: that I didn't totally figure out how, but that I like I I figured out it was them from the Almost the beginning, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then we got to the end of the movie. We we started watching it late, so we didn't finish it till like eleven o'clock at night and then it was done. I was like, Yeah, I remember that now. Now I want to go upstairs, wake her up, and tell her she was right. <laughs> she didn't appreciate that. No, it's this is I I enjoy movies that have these caricature like suspects. In it, I, I really enjoy. You know, the David Niven, the British guy, Maggie Smith, the aristocratic. A bunch, uh, a bunch of
4: one-dimensional clue-like suspects.
1: Right, right. I like, I like this. This was. I don't say turn your brain off, but it was fun watching for the clues, watching for the leads, and that sort of thing. And that's that's what I kind of miss from mysteries nowadays.
3: That's why I love that Knives Out is becoming a series. Right, Knives
4: Out was very good. Yeah
1: yeah yeah that that was a definite kick in the ass to the mystery genre is bringing us like don't don't give me one person and tell me you know let me know how they did it and let's go around full circle and discover you know because that's been kind of a trend lately where you see who did it in the very beginning and then you have to follow along the detective and see how they figure it out give me eight people and let me try and figure it out right and put the Put the, you know even if you I would love it if they did this in movies now stop it before the big reveal and give me you know we're going to stop it for five minutes and you guys talk it out or fast forward to the next scene you know one well, or two
2: I recommend you guys watch werewolves within at some point I granted it's a more of a quote unquote horror movie horror comedy but it's a pretty damn good who done it in the lines with knives out in my opinion. i've I've seen trailers for that and it's on my list I, I'm interested yeah, in that one really good.
3: Okay. Well, the, no. you've sold me on it and from the trailer. I wanted to see it anyway. Although well, the moment where you've got the master detective collecting all the suspects in the parlor and talking out how it happened, like that's something you get in Christie and you get in knives out. And mm. it, like Mike said, it was something that was lost along the way. And I, it's something that I love.
1: Yeah. It's it's just fun because while you're watching them explain how it happened and how he came to this conclusion. Like when we watched knives out for the first time, there was that whole, I knew it. I knew this is what happened. You know, everybody gets into it. It's, I almost wish they could effectively do like an interactive type movie. That might be fun.
3: Uh, they you did that as a play for a very long time. Really? Uh, yeah. Murder mystery theater in the round, uh, where the killer would change every night. Okay. Yeah, I I got to see it once. Fucked if I can remember what it was called. But it was a long-running show in Chicago.
1: Very cool.
2: So who was your favorite character from this? Uh, Probably Colonel Race.
3: Uh, I I mean, I've already pretty much betrayed that it was Salome Otterborn. I just loved Angela Lansbury
4: in this. I was, I was so happy. Pat? I mean, I guess I'd have to go with race because I, I mean, I like David Niven a lot. It kind of, it kind of spoiled my my, uh, choice. But... <laughs> Plus, uh, he killed
2: a friggin' snake.
4: Right? He stabbed a snake in the face.
2: Right? <laughs> Behind glass.
1: That snake, that big rubber snake, was fantastic. When they, when they, it's still they more
3: it realistic than the, Still more realistic than the CG snake in the remake.
4: Oh yeah, hundred percent. And the baby in Twilight.
1: <laughs> Strangely enough, David Niven stabbed the baby too, or Kristen Stewart in Twilight. He,
4: he would have if he'd had the chance.
1: <laughs> I, have, right, I, yeah, I my... have to go with you, Josh, on this one. Angela Lansbury.
2: Wow, I we're mean, split right down the middle. Oh,
1: I loved it. I mean, especially because she kept calling Poirot by the wrong names. Right. And don't I, get me I wrong. Wonder, oh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, I wonder how much of that was in the script and how much of that was just Angela Lansbury hamming it up.
3: Right. And, and don't get me wrong. Uh, Poirot always needs a sidekick, like whether it's Hastings or uh, in this case, the colonel they decided in the remake to make a different decision, which was a fun one. Well, we'll get to that after the break, but,
2: uh, and the mustache. The mustache. That's another sidekick. Uh, It is though. Did you
1: notice that was it this one, or was it the new one where he had the mustache? He has his eye mask, uh, had the mustache impression on it. Oh, which one? I I don't remember which movie. It was the remake that had that? Okay. Which on that note, I think we're about to move on to the remake.
3: Yeah, I'm ready
4: for a break and to talk about the remake. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. Well, (laughs) before before we leave, I just want to say, um, before we get into the, I enjoyed uh, the ending, the scene, the reveal, the ending, the the everything much more in this movie than the remake. So I give it, I give this movie props for a better ending.
2: Huh. Oh, no. so, interesting. Yeah, right. and we'll
4: get into that more in the next segment. But yeah, I'll get into that in detail, but I just wanted to preview that a little bit.
1: Excellent. So we'll be back in a little bit. We're going to talk about the 2022 death on the Nile. <laughs> same plot, same idea, same thing, a little bit of, same actors. Yes. Betty Davis was in an ashtray. Um, that's <laughs> ironic. Terrible. I feel, I feel bad about that. All right. Not this too. is di- new one directed by Kenneth Bradnaugh. The writing credits on this one are done by Michael green. Uh, now, Michael Green is also known for Logan, Blade Runner, and Green Lantern. So, kind of hit or miss? Uh,
2: that's I mean, fair. That's, yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's currently working on something called blue Eye Samurai. Oh, hmm. and he did six episodes of American Gods. Nice. All right, still based upon the novel by Agatha Christie this one stars Tom Bateman as book Hercule Perot's friend and Euphema's son and at Benning as Euphemia, renowned painter and books mother now were was that the replacement of the oh uh, the writer and the daughter
3: well uh, book was only in uh, murder on the Orient Express he only ever appeared once in Christie's actual novels okay. and his mother was an entirely new character written for this.
1: Okay. All
0: right. So then.
3: yeah, they shifted some plot details from character to character to give both of them things to do and throw uh, those of us that knew the story well off
1: a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. They did that a lot in this one where they kind of, they kind of merge characters or, and or motives together. So we also have Kenneth Bradna as Hercules, Hercule Perot, Russell Brand as Linus Windlesham. A
3: Who I did not recognize at first. Sarah recognized him immediately. and
2: He cleans up, doesn't he? He wasn't bad. He was, he was definitely subdued.
3: Yeah. Right? Very, very subdued. Subdued and competent, which are not like... Like, he was reserved. Like, I, I was very impressed because it's not what you think
1: of. Well, he played the jolted fiance, you know, and did not, I was occasionally, I expected him to get full on Russell brand, but he, he didn't. I'm amazed by it. Yeah. Uh, Ali Fazal. It,
4: it was like the first time you saw Robin Williams in a serious role. Everybody's like, wow, what?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you want to see Robin Williams in a serious role, watch one hour photo. Holy shit. Mm. Oh
2: shit. Yeah. No, I, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, as, as, Ali Fazal is Andrew Cachadorian, Lynette's cousin and trustee, who replaces the lawyer in the previous one. Yeah,
3: he's still her lawyer, but uh, he's her cousin instead of her uncle.
1: Okay, and then we've got Dawn French as Ms. Bowers, Marie Van Schuler's nurse and clandestine lover. Gal Gadot as Lynette Ridgway Doyle, the wealthy heiress, Simon's wife, and Jacqueline's former friend. Army Hammer as Simon Doyle, Lynette's husband and Jacqueline's former lover. So you see the conflict there. Rose Leslie as Louise Bourget, Lynette's personal maid. Uh, Emmett Mackey as Jacqueline Jackie de Bellefort, a Emma. former... Fr- Emma? What did you I say? You said Emmett. Oh. I was,
4: <laughs> was going to let it go, but yeah, you I did thinking, say Emmett.
1: <laughs> I was going to let it go, you know. But then there's Joel. Uh, Sophie oh. Oconito as Salome Otterborn, Renault's renowned jazz singer and Rosaline's aunt. Jennifer Saunders as Marie Van Schuler, Lynette's godmother and socialite turned communist. So she merges into the communist and add on the godmother.
3: Well, yeah, and Skylar didn't have much of a personality in the original, so they wanted to give her more to do, especially considering they took some of her stuff away to get, give it to Book's mother. Hmm. And she already was barely a character.
1: All right, and then Letitia Wright as Rosalie Otterborn, Salome's niece, business manager, Lynette's classmate, and Book's lady love. Luck going on there. Susanna Fielding as Catherine, Poirot's lover, who was killed during the First World War briefly i mean well she wasn't briefly killed she was briefly (laughs) 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 she got got
4: over it very quickly
2: (laughs) i was dead once i didn't like it (laughs) it didn't take a full recovery it was this it was the uh uh you know the shot to the head and then the doctor coming over and then injecting (laughs) her with (laughs) i diagnosed her with 24 hour death yeah
4: got 24 hour death if we can get some armadillo urine
2: it was murder by death, from what I hear. Oh.
4: Uh.
1: All right. So many of the characters are, as we had said, combinations or characters from a novel to make for a smaller cast and less confusing plot. Mm. I don't know if the original was that confusing, but uh, but we, Solomon and Ros- Rosalie Otterborn, the romance novelist and her daughter, become a singer and her niece manager. Andrew Pennington becomes a cousin. Andrew Ketchadorian, Marie Van Schuyler, socialite and no relation, becomes godmother. Uh Shum the doctor becomes the jilted ex-fiance Dr. Besner a mixed book character only appears in the one just as always said so we know that some trivia believe it or not Tiffany made jewelry in this did you guys notice that?
2: <laughs> yeah that what she's doing since she's not singing
1: yes that's Tiffany and company I, I never thought I would see a movie with product placement for Tiffany and company but here we are Uh, It's most prominently featured is Linnet's diamond necklace. The necklace features a replica of the Tiffany yellow diamond, which is one of the largest yellow diamonds ever discovered. Wait, that was Tiffany? What gave it away? (laughs) So first discovered in South Africa in 1877, as of 2022, has only been worn publicly by four women. At the 1957 Tiffany Ball, it was worn by Mrs. E. Sheldon Whitehouse. It was worn by Audrey Hepburn for Breakfast at Tiffany's publicity photos. Lady Gaga wore it at the Oscars in 2019, and Beyonce wore it in a campaign with Tiffany for 2021.
4: Huh. (laughs) You just imagine Beyonce be like, okay, I'm not going to let it go that that she's... And lady Gaga <laughs> got to do this and I didn't. So she got her teams to get on that shit.
1: I could see her and watching the Oscars. What? <laughs> also, uh, Kenneth Bradnaugh has known Jennifer Saunders, Marie von Schuyler and Don French Bowers since the mid 1980s, when he met them through his then girlfriend and future now ex-wife and actress and writer Emma Thompson Damn. in the UK French and Sounders has been a famous comedy double act since the 1980s, and they have known each other since university.
4: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Huh. No wonder they have some trivia. good chemistry.
1: Yeah, and Dawn French. Um, Did you guys recognize her?
4: She did look familiar, but I didn't look it up.
1: Yeah. Uh, I da, 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 Harry Potter? Da, da. Harry Potter, yes. Yeah, she, okay. She is... um. I've where did I go? I had it in my notes. She's the uh, the fat lady. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you know the fat lady. The fat lady in the painting that you have to talk to to get into the uh...
4: the one that ran and hid when somebody slashed her painting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You have to talk to her to get into the. God, I keep mm-hmm. on saying Hufflepuff. but That's the wrong house. Uh, Gryffindor. Gryffindor. Not where I was expecting that answer to come from, but there we are. <laughs> I
4: I was
3: struggling same as you were Mike.
1: Okay. <laughs> but I don't feel too bad now. Uh, yeah, I guess version...
4: that first sentence in that bullet point. I don't want to see the diagram or I kind of do want to see the diagram. They wrote that's a very awkward sentence.
1: It it there's a lot of adjectives in that one.
4: Right. A lot of asides, a lot of yeah, a lot of parentheses. Anyway, anyway
1: yeah. this version of Poir, Poirot, Poirot is implied to have been born much later than his literary counterpart, who was already a mature man in his fifties at the beginning of the twentieth century. In this movie poor shown in the prologue as a young soldier in nineteen fourteen, in his twenties, early thirties at most, making him at least thirty years younger than Book Pois. Poirot, Poirot. Poirot.
0: Poirot. Poirot. Poirot.
1: <laughs> and to drink, drink. Peru. At the beginning of the film, Peru is asked by a reporter If he's on the Arendelle case This is likely a reference to the Poirot novel Why can't I I, I've been able to say this Poirot I don't know what's happening to me Uh, To the novel Dumb Witness The plot of which surrounds a family surnamed Arendelle This may be the novel This may be the novel The third installment will be based upon Oh, okay So, cool But yeah, so this is the movie. First off, going back to that aging thing, the de-aging of him was kind of weird. I don't think they've got that down real good just yet.
2: Well, Well, in this movie anyway. The CGI was poor in this movie anyway. Agreed. Mm -hmm.
3: This movie is a case of like, there's a whole bunch of decisions they made that I actually think improves the story. And then there's a number of super baffling ones.
1: Did his mustache need an origin story? Right. That
3: that's that's at the top.
1: Yeah. That's I mean, while on one side, yeah, it's kinda cool, but is it necessary? Is it does it build on his character at all? Not
2: really. And I don't think it was Does it it even make sense?
4: It didn't need retrofitting. Right. Yeah.
2: So that's not actually canon. That's not like something that was in the books. No. No. huh okay i was wanted to ask that anyway so i'm glad to I, it up.
4: that you know that is only going to cover up so much of your scar there's still that whole thing on the cheek that suddenly you know, suddenly is just i going. was gonna
1: say medicine back then was not that good
4: yeah
2: there was gonna be plenty they, scar. they would just make over. you
4: half a half a fake face they cut off point. his face right here's yeah your, here's your porcelain face now
2: this, this spider face you know
3: i will say this when it comes to all of these people that have reasons to kill the victim, then being part of a wedding party for various reasons is a better set of motives and reasons for them to be there. It was all very convenient in the original story. Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone so showed I will up give just them on accident. Was,
4: everyone was there because they were there.
3: Uh-huh. So I'll give that credit. And I thought that the addition of a secret or lesbian relationship between two characters where kind of seemed like that was what was going on anyway, was also an upgrade.
4: Right.
1: Now, what I could have done without was the book giving the expository commentary on everybody and what their motive for not liking this person is during the wedding party scene.
4: Right. I didn't mind that. Was, that. It felt very clunky to me.
1: It
3: did. It was a clunky, but like trying to, with so such a big cast... You end up adding a lot of time to do it in a more natural fashion,
4: right? It was it, was it was the fastest way to just just shoot it out there, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, to have him going, oh, this is X. They hate Y because of Z. And,
4: and I'll be I'll be honest with you. At one point, I felt like um like myself running a, a Dungeons and Dragons or Shadowrun game where I'm at a <laughs> ball trying to explain who all the NPCs are to the players. That's just yeah. how it felt for a moment there.
1: It almost, yeah, now that you're bringing it up, exactly felt that way. You know, the backstory. But now, going back to the very beginning, first thought out of my head is this is not a club that I could see him attending. I know there's explanation for that later in the movie. Spoilers, whatever, fine. But this movie is really horny. (laughs) i kind of appreciated that i mean yeah i mean i'm like i'm watching this movie I'm like oh he's at a he's at a blues club and oh wow what's happening on that (laughs) dance floor and then later on in when they're by the the uh the giant uh statues
4: i'm like should have been called dirty dancing on the nile
1: right i'm like gal ghetto backing it up on him what the heck is going on
4: (laughs) You just met, I'm, and you're like lifting her in the air with her crotch right in your face.
1: I know there's a lot happening here, and I'm like, okay, he's a, he's defi- you know an English gentleman. What is he doing in this club? I know they explain it all later, but I'm just like, there is a lot of horn dogging in this. It's
4: this a very sultry movie.
1: It is. It's a heat gets to you.
4: That's At like, some point you just get to you're like, I'm sweaty already, might as well just get sweatier. <laughs>
2: might as well go fly a kite in front of a green screen. Right. Right. That'll cool me down. So much green screen, so much CGI.
1: That snake is awful.
3: Yeah, the snake was really bad. There were other baffling decisions like letting him babble on about vegetables for 10 minutes. Yeah. That was kind of weird. Like but- I get that they're Going for a funny bit, but like uh, not every famous detective needs to be monk.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. And they, they did kind of do that with like m- making it that almost like a, uh, a like g- running gag. Yeah.
4: I thought but this that... movie was was other than some of the obviously bad CGI points was beautiful.
1: Yes. Oh, look. oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the, the cinematography.
4: And the, and the oh. costumes were great. Um, I a lot Some of the performances were a little flat. I mean, to be honest, um, a buddy of mine said this, and I kind of agree with him. You know, Gal Gadot's performance was kind of flat. I mean, I thought it was like a character choice, but I mean, it might have just been a performance. I, I
1: think you're right.
3: See, I hear that a lot, and I just think it's fashionable to hate on her. And in terms of actors in this movie who you want to hate on, she is so far down my list.
4: Yeah, I didn't have a necessarily have a problem with her because I thought it was just I thought the character was just kind of boring. I I didn't necessarily think it was her as an actress. Yeah. And and I do think that this movie got a lot of heat not for
3: the real problems it had, but because you don't like the actors. And I mean it's reasonable to not like actual cannibal army hammer. <laughs> Uh, sorry.
2: Yeah, that's not really a joke. No, I know that's no. why I'm. I'm just laughing though, because, yeah,
4: yeah. But I mean, overall, like my favorite thing about this movie was just the, the the look of it. I just thought it was a very, very beautiful movie.
1: There were a couple a couple points that I think if you were familiar with the story, now Josh, you'll have to back me up on this one. But there were moments where they were almost dropping completely obvious clues to what was going to happen like my paint my red paint is missing has anybody that's seen fair. my scarf that that's that fair. was a little ham-fisted on that one i mean it was a little you know i don't want to say on the nose but it was kind of like yeah we know that's going to happen but we don't have to be so blatant about
4: it and this might be a good time for me to mention what i think is my biggest issue with this the whole mystery itself was um I don't understand why, and I don't know if this was just for the movie or, or this was part of the original script in the book or whatever, um, but why would you go through the the hassle of reloading the gun with another bullet when you're planning on throwing it overboard anyway and, and you don't necessarily think it's going to even be found? It just Well, you know I, Poirot's there. Yeah, but my whole thing was like, why wouldn't you as a writer just make – when they dredge the river and find the thing, why would you just make it? Oh, why are there three shots? We only thought there were two where what that make that another part of the mystery. Why is there a third bullet missing? Yeah. I just thought that's how that would have been a better way to to handle that mystery.
3: Yeah. I disagree. Mm. Cause I think the reason the ending is satisfying is because if you are actually going, trying to figure out by people's movements, who could possibly have done it? You're most likely to immediately eliminate the actual killers right off the get, and that is their plan: is that yeah. they want to eliminate themselves as any possibility of suspects.
4: Right. By but, I mean, him shooting himself obvious. already eliminates himself. I'm saying that, like on the bo- on board the ship, if they just hear three shots and three shots or mis- whatever, that's part of the mystery. Where did that third shot go?
1: trying to figure that out. I think that would be a good addition to it. What I do appreciate about this movie over the other one is that the boat is big enough that somebody could get shot with a 22 shell on one side of the boat and somebody might not hear it on the other. Where on the first boat, it was as big as my house.
4: Right. You know, I mean, that's part of the point of a 22 is it's silent. That's, you know, it's, well, I mean, it's not silent. You know what I mean? But it's, it's it's one of the quietest guns out there that makes the least mess because, the gun doesn't, you know, the bullet doesn't even leave the skull if you shoot, you know, because it can't penetrate. It's not hard enough to penetrate a skull. Which I'm going to
1: call bullshit on the uh, the suicide at the end.
4: That's w- when we were going to get to it. When I was going <laughs> to talk about why I why I liked the originals <laughs> ending much more. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: I thought you were just talking about the ending ending where the one character known for his mustache
4: shaves it because reasons. You know. Yeah. Because- no.
1: That I have yeah. issue with too. I'm, I'm well, on board with that one.
4: Big reveal studio, you know, like everybody gather together, and I do my spiel thing. I liked it much better in the first one, a lot because a lot because in the ending, I was like, it's just ballistically impossible to, yeah, to do what they did at the at that at that scene, and that it was much better handled, much better in the first one, and it would yeah a, shoot him in the it, temple a and then shoot yourself. It's much more shocking, yeah, it, you yeah. know to. And it kind of confirms that the you know that, that she is kind of crazy. So you're like, oh, that wasn't poetic. A, it wasn't necessarily an act. She's she is crazy. So or was. There, there's
2: something beautiful about the way that they did it in the in the, the yeah, remake. But it's
4: not realistic. I mean,
2: yeah, I, agree. I mean, and and you know what? Honestly,
1: in some kind of my my brain is like the the when that she pulled the trigger and shot him in the back. I'm thinking to myself, is she going to come back? Is she faking it? Because there's no way that bullet made it into her chest. Oh,
2: I thought you meant like as a zombie. No, God. Or did the death just not take? It didn't make sure it didn't take. Unfortunately, somebody had an armadillo. Yeah. (laughs) Damn it. She's gonna lay
4: down and be like, "Oh, oh, oh, death! (laughs) (laughs) I'm dead too."
1: Or the uh, when when he gets shot. And he falls down with his, you know, he's gripping his knee and Simon goes running to the doctor. Simon, he's in the, he's in this room. He looks bad. Like, dude, he's been shot.
4: Yeah, right. I thought it was very odd that he's like, you didn't just say, say something very succinctly like, Simon's been shot. No, he looks bad. He looks bad. What like, like, did he eat bad fish? Yeah, it was like, all right. What do you want want me to do about about it? it.
2: Did the fish get shot and he has lead poisoning? Not my Did fault. Did he send you, don't you a text about right?
3: how he wants to eat you? <laughs> <laughs> that looks bad.
1: Oh man. Oh, speaking of boats, that boat that they took to get to the big boat, that wooden speedboat
2: thing—the boat, 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 boat. I want one of those so bad. <laughs> those
1: like 1930s all-wood speedboat type things, like the ones that they had in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You
4: your dad could build you one. Get yourself a he... boat boat for your house, house on Hill House, house?
1: Hill House, house, hill?
2: What? Yes. Your Hill House hey, boat boat? Your dad could build you one. He probably could. He really could. could. Yeah.
4: Hey, Carl, I'll ask you him know about one for that. Christmas? Do you have to buy a, a boat motor boat.
1: And, and you know what the thing is with him? I could I could literally ask him; he'd be like, "Yeah, it'd probably take me a little bit." <laughs>
4: to him, <laughs> it would, it's like ten days.
1: Yeah. Good God!
2: Come out the next morning; it's done.
0: Is
1: it me, or is it? Did it feel weird that it seemed like there were no male stewards on this boat?
4: Well, all stewards uh, are male.
1: No, on the. All
4: right. Fine,
1: on the boat. <laughs>
3: I didn't notice the staff of the boat at all.
1: Yeah, I just—I for some reason I noticed whenever they were carrying a dead body around, whether like like when they found what's her face stuck in the paddle wheel. Oh, and, that was a cool scene. That I was, was a say, cool. That scene. was a
2: cool shot.
1: That was a pretty cool shot. But there were always—it was like there were always like lady pallbearers,
4: hmm. or or I there was notice. the it, it was them or the Goody Goody Gumdrops guy. <laughs> that
1: <laughs> oh my god chowdhury i you know what as as terrible as that stereotype is for chowdhury in the first one that's how the dude made his living so i'm like, not gonna knock him for it <laughs> oh my dear there is a snake in your room
3: um, I also thought it was interesting uh, the way they uh, lined up the characters to uh, throw those of us who knew the story very well off, like uh, the, the shock when you're waiting for Salome Otterborn to die.
1: Right. I have a hundred percent of issue of that being book. When yeah, it
4: was that, was, that, was, that hit home. That was a pretty, yeah
1: that. I mean, there. I mean, through the whole movie, I was on board. All right, this is a fun Agatha Christie. Oh, this is this is what we're on. This we're all going to figure out who did it. And then when book got shot, my mood changed.
4: Yeah, shit got real.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got and angry.
3: You think about it; it's like that's not a problem because he was only ever in one of her books.
4: So, I mean, the, the whole movie changed its tone at that point. I mean, even the characters turned on Perot at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I actually dug that. Yeah.
1: No, I I mean, okay. Let me let me rephrase that. I didn't dislike it, but it, it did I mean, okay, I didn't like the fact that Book got shot, but I do like the fact that it had that emotional effect on me.
3: Right. I get that.
1: Yeah. It was just like, whoa. I mean, was not expecting his chipper, uh kind of, you know, saucy kind of ladies man sidekick to get shot like that. And that really threw me for the whole thing. But yeah, good, good play on that one for this, for this one. I don't know. I'm looking at my notes.
4: And I think they used a lot of drones in this movie like especially you know a lot of the shots that went around the riverboat was that a real riverboat they were filming oh i thought you meant as actors sorry (laughs) was that a real (laughs) riverboat they were filming on with with drones or was that all cgi
1: i don't know Hmm. i really don't know
4: i mean if it was cgi they did a good job
1: i wish i wish
2: i could tell you maybe that's where all the budget went for the cgi that's where they ran out for the rest.
3: Yeah, the CG was really not good. The addition to stuff about Paro's background and some of the weird characterization choices I didn't care for, but, like, it didn't ruin the movie for me. It was just, like, this is a baffling decision that they decided to make.
4: And and Paro and and Salome's, like, little romance, or whatever, seemed awfully forced, too.
2: Uh According to this, it says the film was supposed to be filmed in Morocco instead of Egypt, but filming took place only in England. A boat was recreated as well as the temple of Abu Simbel. if I said that so right. the whole
1: temple was CGI too
2: huh well, they it, it says it was recreated. I was trying to see if if that meant CGI or if it meant
4: it could be they built a boat yeah on a sound stage.
2: Egypt was created with a big talented team of construction people and our director of photography and visual effects supervisors. Uh, huh. The SS was a real... Oh, the boat was a real build. It wasn't seaworthy, though it could move back and forth on railroad tracks to show motion. It's 270 feet long and 45 feet at its widest point. So that was actually... They built the ship. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like moving facts. <laughs> Subscribe to Joel's Boat Facts. No, don't do that, because that's the only one I have. (laughs) Actually, I take that. The (laughs) Titanic sunk. Okay, that's the other boat fact. There you
1: go. Oh. No, I mean, I I enjoyed this one. I do think some of the expository stuff was a little, I don't say over the top, but Agatha Christie 101, you know, Agatha Christie for beginners type of thing.
3: Sure. There's a... Too much. Hey, this is Chekhov's gun. Mm-hmm. I get that,
1: and I'm also going to say that if Gal Gadot was backing up on me like that, like she was at the top of that temple, I would have gotten so crushed by that rock. <laughs> I wouldn't right. have been able to move that quick. <laughs> <laughs> you giggle, Pat. You know I'm right. You would.
4: <laughs> if you're gonna die, that's a good way to die, though.
1: Yeah. How'd you got?
2: How'd you die? Yeah, I don't want to talk Yaga about it. I was
4: grinding up on me, and that's the last thing I know. I was like, well, okay, good good way to go.
2: <laughs> got rock hard and then got hit by a rock hard.
4: Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Saw where that was coming. <laughs>
2: You're an idiot, but I love Apparently you. Apparently he, he didn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, wait, no, no, no. We have to talk about one more thing. Oh, yeah. Why? That damn mustache shaving.
3: Yeah, I mentioned it in passing, and it bothered me so much.
2: It really did. It was weird. I didn't understand. I mean, I understood, but I didn't. Well, does think that mean
4: they're gonna have a whole next movie without him having a mustache at all? The
2: search for the mustache. <laughs> That's why he was looking around because it like disappeared, and now he's wondering where it went. Yeah,
1: I don't. I I don't. I don't understand it. It's like removing. It's like removing um what are the deer hunter hat from deer stalker uh, holmes. yeah no the from deer sherlock stalker holmes hat? not yeah the deer stalker is that what's called yeah. deer hunter hat yeah. i don't know deer stalker yeah from sherlock holmes it's like
4: removing yeah. this the scarf from tom baker yeah yeah how, do you, like how do you like that i like that reference from this guy
1: look at that you, you making doctor who comments
4: <laughs> and like got like the removing,
2: right doctor yeah i know right? from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, well, I mean, they, they they made reference to her telling him, you know, about move, or shaving off the mustache and showing up at the club and something, something. And so there was there it was brought up earlier, but. It was so and it's his
3: mask, and but yeah. the problem is, is they added so many things that aren't classic Paro to justify that scene at the end, and none of them worked for me. Yeah,
4: I yeah, like you're. It, it's that whole thing that I always talk about that I hate is like you're creating false drama. Like you're making the mustache more than it is. It, it was, it, yeah, it's his signature, but that's all it is. It's not like it, a a mask. It's not a representative of him. It's not like a. Superpower. It doesn't represent a changing of his of his life if he shaves it, all that kind of stuff that they're trying to it's just it's unnecessary drama that they're creating it's, for no reason. Right.
2: It's just a a piece of his what kind of what makes him iconic. It's but it's a set piece. It's not a
4: like if, if I chose to shave is. my beard, which I've now had for like ten years, I wouldn't consider that like, you know, some legendary moment of like oh my god i've just had a breakthrough and i'm ready to love now or whatever you know that'd be
1: more like hey pat you have a chin
4: (laughs) right it's just (laughs) two of them how many chins grew under that thing while you had it oh my (laughs) god
1: (laughs) oh shit yeah no i i don't i don't i if it had been any character but him I think it might have might have worked. But yeah,
2: like if Gal Gadot had shaved her mustache. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I don't I don't know where to take that now Joel, so thank you for that. But that's cool. Want to do thumbs up thumbs down? Yeah? Yeah.
4: See. I have a whole lot more to say. So yeah. yeah.
1: Nope. So Patrick, thumbs up thumbs down.
4: Uh for the original I uh it didn't. It didn't suffer from what we have a lot of problem with a lot of seventies movies with pacing. It didn't suffer with that. The cast was good. You know, other than you know just a few little quabbles, quabbles, squibbles, oh, squibbles. quabbles. quabbles. I'm, quabbles. I'm, quabbles. I'm, that's my new word. Yeah. I found a few quabbles.
1: You heard it here first, folks. The quabble is on.
4: <laughs> yeah, oh, I quabble, mean, quabble. a thumbs up. And then you know, the second one, just you know, despite a lot of flaws and a lot of problems. I mean, I. I still give it a thumbs up because I was entertained. I didn't really have to, you know, pause it for many, many times because I was disinterested or anything. And I enjoyed it. And it was a it was a beautiful movie. So thumbs up for both of them.
2: Joel. Yes. Um the the original, uh I really enjoyed the cast. Uh the remake, it was beautifully shot, and some of the actors I enjoyed. But both of them I found to be just something I watched. I won't watch them again. I if I could give them both a thumb sideways to say they were just something I watched, that's what I'd do. Uh, but I mean, I guess they're both thumbs up. Just I was fairly underwhelmed. Really?
4: Kind of th- their thumbs up because they're not thumbs down kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I didn't hate
2: them by any stretch, but I definitely did not. I just I did, I was like, okay. I'm glad that's over. Moving on, Josh. Just
4: okay. Time for me to watch Sharknado for the ninth time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen it nine times yet. (laughs) You've seen it twelve times. Uh, See, that's the thing. Is while I had issues with both of
3: these, I thought they were fairly good representations of the story, each with their own flaws. Uh, They're thumbs up for me, even though I'm not like, oh my god, about either one of them. So, yeah, thumbs up for both. Just an unenthusiastic one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give thumbs up for both of them. I mean, they told the story well. I appreciate the fact that they shuffled stuff up for the remake. You know, it kind of kept me guessing. And I enjoyed it. And there, the characters in this were entertaining. And, you know, I, outside of the 22 shell, you know, the the 22 uh, bullet not being able to go through two bodies, that's really the biggest qualm I have with the whole shebang it's qu- but
4: it's
2: a quabble it's <laughs> it's quabble. A my, it's my quabble in the shebang maybe it was a 23 caliber and that's why that's an armor piercing yeah, 22
4: round. 24 whatever it takes
2: exactly <laughs> good quote so, good quote. <laughs> Damn it. so uh I just watch that actually recently. yeah so there you go
3: so if you've got your favorite uh Mystery from Agatha Christie. Uh, you want to call and yell at us and tell us correctly that her name's pronounced Gal Gadot? Uh, you can always do that at 708 uh, now rap. That's 708 669 9727.
4: Don't right. fuck yourself.
0: <laughs> I
4: let oh. it go this entire episode. <laughs>
1: Oh, if you're looking for more of this, you can find it on your favorite podcast apps, such as Podbean or Pandora. You can give us a thumbs up on there. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear about it. Leave us a review on Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts. You can also support us through the Kofi link in the show notes and help us keep hosting costs at bay. In the meantime, Joel, what do we have?
2: We're going to be talking about uh, something I love, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, We're going to be talking about Jackass and TV theme songs.
0: Nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
4: No, no, no. Not not computer game theme song.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, everybody, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.
2: Lopez loves taco flavor keysies.
4: Mm-hmm. Jennifer. Jennifer.
1: Jennifer. Jennifer.
4: Jennifer.
1: What are we doing? The fuck today? is going on? Jennifer. Jennifer.
4: Jennifer. Nobody's hissing. <laughs> More beans, Cookie. I, I think, think you you've had enough. enough.
0: <laughs> oh, all right. All right, let's do this. No.